So thankful to be here tonight and uh, thankful for Pastor giving me the opportunity to get to preach uh, to you folks. And uh, I never take this time lightly. And I trust that the message tonight will be a, a help to each of us and an encouragement to us. And this is something that the Lord just uh, showed me a few weeks ago um, and really spoke to my heart. Didn't know really, you know, you have a passage of scripture that really challenges you, challenges you. And uh, as I got into it, just drawn to it. And I, so I, I just hope that uh, tonight that it would be a help and that it would be an encouragement. Don't stand just yet, but go ahead and turn in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter number 11. <clears throat> the uh, story that we're going to be looking at tonight is one of those Bible stories that is sad because of who it's about and what suffering that this person went through in their life. But on the other hand, a part of us might be relieved to know that the reaction of this prominent saint of the Lord happens to us too. Misery loves company. And I speak that to our shame, really. Now, we might expect this reaction that we'll be looking at here tonight to come from a person like Demas, the man who loved this present world. Or maybe Thomas, who, was, who doubted the resurrected Christ. But not this man. You see, this story is about John the Baptist, a man who lived each day with purpose, meaning, direction, and the joy in serving the Lord. A man who had given his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. But we now find him in our story near the end of his life in a really sad way and in a bad way spiritually, struggling in his faith. I believe by what Jesus will say to him gives, gives us indication that he was on the verge of stumbling and falling away. Now, his present troubles all began when John spoke out and confronted Herod's sin of adultery. Subsequently, to shut him up, he was thrown into a horrible prison uh, located at uh, Machaerus, which is, according to Josephus, uh, was on the east side of the Dead Sea. And it was this military fortress. It was a palace. After being in prison for possibly up to two years, John is facing some really deep disappointment. He's to a point where he's so distressed about this. And I, and I really want to stress this particular point. He is facing deep disappointment because he had a different idea of how things ought to have turned out for him. But nothing was working out. He's in this prison. His circumstances aren't changing, but getting worse. His condition isn't changing, but getting worse. If we could read his mind, he might be thinking something like this. 
It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. So with that, let's stand and let's read our scripture, Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to begin in verse number one. Matthew 11, verse number one. <clears throat> it says, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Father, we ask that you'll bless our time tonight. Thank you for the word. I pray that you would expose any doubt, any thing that would be in our heart that should not be there in regards to our relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would have your will done in our lives and we surrender ourselves to you right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we read this passage about John, we, we have to ask ourselves, again, because he's doubtful of even the fact of who Jesus is. And, and, and so we have to ask ourselves, is this the same John that we read about in the Gospels who, has, who had great boldness and courage and power? Is this the same John who, when he was in his mother's womb, leaped for joy when Mary greeted Elizabeth? Is this the same John that was a simple kind of guy who lived out in the desert. His attire was camel's hair and, his, and he had a leather girdle and his food was locusts and wild honey. Great diet. Is this the same John who faithfully prepared the coming of Jesus as his forerunner, who faithfully preached repentance and judgment to come? Is this the same John who said he must increase but I must decrease. Is this the same John who said, there cometh one mightier than I after me, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose? Is this the same John who said when the self-righteous men came down uh, to be tried to be baptized of John, told them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. Is this the same John who didn't feel worthy to be baptized of Jesus, but requested for Jesus to baptize him? Is this the same John who saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and lighted upon Jesus. And John heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Is this the same John who boldly proclaimed to all of Israel 
Behold, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world. If we could give John a, a punctuation mark, I think it would be this in his early life. <laughs> I mean, he, he was on fire. He, he was on fire. He loved God. And that, you know, an exclamation point is, is one that has a forceful expression and strong feeling, boy. And I'm sure you could hear it in his preaching. I'm sure you could hear it in his testifying. I'm sure you could see it in his life. He believed God. He loved God. He trusted God. He honored God. He, he loved righteousness. He hated sin. That's what got him into trouble. And this was his life. But we look at John and wonder, how, how in the world did he go, go from a bold, a very bold declaration, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, to saying, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? What happened? What happened to John? I mean, and that's a significant thing. Going from this to this, that's pretty significant. What, what happened in his life? What was going on in his mind? And how did he go from what seemed to be great faith to great doubt? The first thing that we gather from our text is that external difficulties will cause sometimes internal doubts. And this is what's being fleshed out in, in the life of John. This is what we're witnessing as we've read here in Matthew 11. But what is different about this trial? What is different about what John is going? I mean, we, we know that John was no stranger to external difficulties. He was a seasoned saint. He had his share of sufferings for Jesus throughout his life. He had his share of, test, of temptations and, and his share of difficulties. But what seemed to make this trial different was the longevity or the permanency of the suffering in the trial. That's what made the difference. It, was, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't just the ending that would come to an end. He, he had been in prison for two years almost. And things were not changing and things were getting worse. And John was now believing that maybe, maybe I had this wrong. Maybe Jesus isn't the Messiah. What happened? What happened in that prison cell? Well, John began to be plagued with misgivings and doubts about Jesus. Each day, each day in that prison was harder than the previous day. Day after day, he was possibly maybe mistreated, treated inhumanely. Each and every day, he would be in that prison cell, not conducive to human living. It was wearing on him. The darkness of this prison cell was creeping into his own heart. It wasn't ending. He, he's in this prison cell day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. 
And every day rehearsing in his mind the events of his life. And the longer it goes, this doubtful statement in his mind begins to find its way into his heart. It's not supposed to be this way. His heart begins to be filled with doubt, filled with bewilderment, filled with confusion, filled with unbelief. Brother Step Barber shared a, a quote with us at our men's late night prayer meeting on Friday by Andrew Fuller. And it's this, it is not under the sharpest, but the longest trials that we are most in danger of fainting. You see, it isn't the severity of the trial, but the permanency of the trial. What happens when the pain in your body and soul and spirit become you? When pain and tragedy is no longer something you're going through, but it's who you are now. Your heartaches isn't just a part of your life. Heartaches are now your life. When your pain is no longer temporary, but permanent. John's person, personal issues are, are now permanent. And, and he's seen this and he, his, he's, he's lost his bearings. This is worn so deeply and, and so much in his life that he begins to, again, to doubt who Jesus was. And again, remember, he was the one that declared, declared to all of Israel, behold, the Lamb of of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Along with this, he might have also doubted his purpose. He lost his focus and he lost his way. He's not preaching anymore. He's not baptizing anymore. He's not proclaiming anymore. He might have begun to second guess even his own calling. I don't know, but possibly. You see, John's dashed expectations was messing with his faith. He had a, an expectation. And it wasn't being fulfilled. And it was really messing with his faith. And he began to struggle with this. In his mind, it wasn't to be this way. He had planned in his, maybe in his mind, something totally different. John must have thought, if I am Messiah's forerunner and Jesus is the Messiah, why am I in prison? John probably thought that the Messiah would overcome wickedness and judge sin, that he would overthrow the Roman government and establish his kingdom of peace and righteousness in Israel, and surely he would be released from prison and maybe play a part in the new kingdom. But it didn't happen you see, the same thing can happen to us when we have dashed expectations. When life doesn't turn out the way that we had hoped and planned and expected, we feel cheated. We, we feel this de, a tremendous disappointment and discouragement and despair. And we start doubting everything. And I think that there are many Christians who are living in the realm 
of right here. That is the question mark, right? Okay, all right. We're living in the realm of, of that question. And we, we have lodged a doubt in our minds and our hearts because it didn't turn out the way that we thought it should. And whatever happened maybe years ago or just even recently, and you're wondering, you know, about that situation. And, there, and with that, there's, there's lodged in it this. The root of doubt has caused people to be discouraged, depressed, despondent, and in some cases, angry with life. Because, again, in their mind, this isn't how it should be. It isn't fair. And they begin to make statements like this. God, why, why would you want me to go through this? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like this is your plan or your will for my life. Why have you allowed this in my life? Why does it seem that Bad always seems to come my way. Why, why do you keep taking things away from me that I love and enjoy? You see, God doesn't want you to go through life like this, doubting. But God wants you to go through life believing with an exclamation point, believing and trusting God with all your heart. This is the ideal place to be is our, is our, in our Christian life concerning God. But we have an enemy. We have an enemy who wants to fill our hearts and our minds with doubt. The enemy whispers in our ear and attempts to fill our hearts and minds with skepticism. For while we are in this place of doubt, we are powerless and vulnerable to Satan's attacks. I think every one of us have seen situations in our sinful world that have made us sh just shake our head and in, in disbelief and, and, and maybe bring a tear to our eye and just say to ourselves, hey, that's just not supposed to be that way. It just doesn't seem right. It, it doesn't seem fair. And just maybe, just maybe, that situation that you have seen or worse yet where you have personally experienced has affected you in a deeper way more than what you may realize. And you have, you have, my friend, you have in your heart this. A doubt. And it's lodged in there. And it's not going to lead you into any good place while it's there. So you have possibly a personal experience that's affected you in a deep way. It's messed with your faith in God. The situation you faced was something that you were not anticipating. It wasn't something that you just weren't even expecting. Your life has gone off script. You weren't planning for this. Your life has veered off into some unknown and unpleasant permanent uh, situation that you didn't ask for. And maybe, maybe you shake your head in disbelief and say, it's not supposed to be this way. And you begin to rattle off 
some situations in your life. It's not supposed to be this way. When someone who you love died unexpectedly, it's not supposed to be this way when you are abandoned by a friend or abandoned by a spouse or rejected by your boss or ridiculed by a peer or trashed by a coworker or church member or spiritual leader, being diagnosed with a disease and you are so young, being criticized for doing right. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way when you're told that your big trial that you faced would lead you somewhere better, but you're still waiting. When you're forced to leave a job you actually liked. When a loved one is ravaged by cancer, when someone you loved was killed because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. When what you prayed for didn't happen. When it seems that evil is winning. When injustices are not made right. When your life is turned upside down and it wasn't your fault. When something didn't happen the way you were expecting to happen because this is what you thought God told you. It's not supposed to be this way. Dashed expectations lead to disappointments, which lead to depression, which, which then can lead to despair. And from here, we start asking questions like, God, why, why did you take this? Why don't you take this away from me? Or why, why have you allowed this to, for me to lose so much? Or God, I didn't ask for this. There was a pastor that once said this, if we dwell on such thoughts, Satan magnifies them and tries to use them to undermine our trust and confidence in God. We are never so vulnerable to, to doubting God's goodness and truth and believing Satan's lie as when we are suffering. Well, what do we do? <laughs> what, what do we do? H how do we get from here to here? You need to seek answers. We need to seek answers. When doubts come, we need to seek answers in the right place. We should always challenge our doubts. Whatever those doubts are, whatever those may be that are just, again, lodged in your heart, they're wedged in there, and, and, and they tell you lie after lie about maybe God's character and who God is and how much, and, and all those kinds of things. You need to acknowledge that and see that, and you need to seek this, the true answer from the Word of God. Amen. See, the answers might not be the answers that you're looking for, but there is an answer. And in that answer, you can find peace. In that answer, you can find that joy. And this is what John did. You know, John here is in, in prison. And again, verse number two, and when John had heard in the, in the prison, that's amazing, in the prison he hears <laughs> this news, rumors can really travel. And so he's in this prison and he hears about Jesus, about the works of Christ. And so he says, I've got to do something. Now, he had actually had heard something about this before, but he wants again, another confirmation of some sort to say, I want to know. And so he goes to search for some answers and he sends two of his disciples and, and says to, to them, you go ask him point blank, 
Are you the one that we're waiting for? Or are we supposed to wait for somebody else? Because things in my life are not making sense. I'm not understanding what's going on here. And I love this. Jesus, how did Jesus respond? In verse four and five, Jesus didn't simply say, you tell him, yes, I am. <laughs> or no, I'm not. He, he's, he did not give, just tell, tell John this, because that's, all, that's what he asked. John says, are you looking for a yes or a no? Jesus didn't answer that the way he wanted it answered. But Jesus says to, to the disciples of John, you go back and you report to John what you have heard and what you have seen. Among the notable events occurring, the blind are getting their sight back, the lame people are walking, lepers are being cured, the deaf are hearing, the dead being raised back to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. <laughs> now, doesn't that sound like what Isaiah said? Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. There's some verses. You see, what was Jesus doing? He was wanting him to go back to the word and to confirm in his heart what the word was saying. The word of God was validating who Jesus was. Jesus was pointing him back to the word of God and reminding John that the word gives him the answer. And I don't want us to really, I don't want us to run past this point because this is the answer to our faith struggles. If my thinking is contrary to the character of God, I need to get into the word and I need to change my thoughts to reflect the Bible truth. This is why John was faltering. John had forgot the word and his thinking had to be straightened out. Someone said that we are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What are your strongest thoughts? Are they about God? Thinking right about God? If they, if they are, your thoughts about God will be honoring. They're going to take you to places that honor God. If your thoughts are doubtful thoughts, they will lead you to dishonoring God. The scripture has the power to change our thinking. Um, and God is not going to go against his character. It's not going to go against what is already written. And his word, it's, this is him. This is who he is. God won't go against his word again because this is who he is. And we have the promises in writing. And, and so we need to meditate on the word. We need to quote the word. We need to hold dear to the word and knowing what the word of God says about our loving heavenly father. And the situations that you may be facing in life and that dark time that you're facing in life and those hard times that you're facing in life, you need to get a scripture in there to drive out that doubt. That doubt of saying it's not supposed to be this way. This is why really it is important for us as Christians to, re to review in our minds and our hearts the attributes of God, to remind ourselves that he's always good and that he is always right in his ways. Now, the final thought I want to share with you is in verse number six. <clears throat> and this is one added thing that, he, that Jesus wanted the, John's disciples to tell him. And it was 
a, it was a rebuke to help him to, again, to get his thinking straight. Now, let me say, Jesus thought so highly of him. I mean, if we were to read on in the next few verses, we would find that there was none, no, none greater that was born that, as a prophet. I mean, Jesus thought very highly of John. And Jesus, in his love and in his compassion, corrects him here, as well as for us, and says, blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. In the Greek, that word offended me means to fall away. And so in context, Jesus points out that you, you are blessed if you do not fall away on the account of him. On the account of Jesus. In other words, don't stumble at what God is doing in your life. You see, where John was and the situation that he was in and the hardship that he was going through, it wasn't in his, John's plan, but it was in God's plan. And he was wondering or stumbling, thinking, again, to this doubtful place, is this really Jesus? His, again, his thinking was all messed up. He was stumbling because, again, he wasn't coming back to the Word. And so what Jesus is saying, don't stumble at what God is doing in your life. Every one of us, God has taken, taken us on a journey. God has taken every one of us on a journey to be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And in that journey, there are going to be things that happen and things that occur that are not in your schedule. They're not in your plans. And they may be permanent. And you'll stumble and get angry and get mad at God because of what's coming to your life. Don't be offended. Don't fall on the account of, of Jesus. Don't fall away. When God was doing this in the life or allowing this in the life of John, we have to remember God's ways are higher than our ways. Are, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so if that, God had something special for John. We don't know what it is. The way John was to be responding was to say, I, again, I believe Jesus has this for a purpose and for a reason. But again, the things that in his own mind and his heart were twisted in his life and he was being offended. You see, all of life isn't going to go your way. As a matter of fact, most of life won't go your way. <laughs> You need to just trust God no matter what comes in and accept what God is doing in your life. Will you be offended at what Jesus is doing in your life and what twists and turns God takes you on? Hmm. Jesus basically was saying to John, John, will you be offended at me? I really believe that Jesus brought this up because there was possibly the danger of this happening to him. 
Jesus was doing something eternally benefiting for John in the life of John. But again, John was disappointed because it didn't agree or he didn't understand of what was happening. But God was doing something great. And so you and I need to accept by faith what comes into our life. And I'm not talking about when we go out and we sin, all right? There's going to be some consequences about that. I'm talking about when you're doing right and living right and, and, and serving the Lord and, and these things come into your life. No matter what happens, we need to just believe God and trust him. And, and knowing that God may be rerouting us for whatever reason. I like what someone said. Faith is trusting in God no matter what is given to you. Faith doesn't mean trusting that God will give you what you want. Faith really comes into play when God gives you what you don't want. When God gives you what you weren't looking for. When God gives you something that you prefer to live without. A lot of us want to trust that God will give us what we want, but we don't trust that God will give us what we need. Whichever way God leads you and wherever God leads you, will you remember this? That God has the best plan for your life. Again, that doesn't mean that everything is going to be great. And there's going to be, again, God is taking you on this journey. It might not be what you're hoping for, wishing for, expecting, but just trust him in that process. And if you have those situations in life that are still troubling you, you really need to just cast it aside. And you need to say, you know what? No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm feeling, I'm just, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe his word. I'm going to trust what he says. I'm going to find these some promises and I'm going to latch on to them. I'm going to hold on to them. And I'm going to know that what God says is true. Again, no matter what may come in my life, I know that God is great and mighty and he loves me. Say it with an exclamation point, all right, in your life. Hey, I can, I believe God. I believe God. All right. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word that helps us. I pray that you would help us, Father, to see if maybe there's areas in our life, God, that are where there's doubt that's lodged there and where we have even said to ourselves it shouldn't be this way or it's not fair and forgive us. Help us, Lord, to accept what you're doing in our life and to rejoice that you're in control. You, you, you're doing a mighty work in our lives. And I pray that you'd help us not to be offended. Help us just to keep trusting in you, depending on you. And we ask this in Christ's name.